And welcome back to Destalprods.com, movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joe, today we have Caveman. I actually watched things! <laughs> Nothing Halloween related yet, but Me my either. wife has promised I get to show her one terrifying movie on Halloween. Yay! Oh no, wait, I did watch one thing Halloween related. Well, I actually watched Halloween related stuff, I just can't talk about it because I've already talked about it like eight times. <laughs> I mean, you guys don't want to hear me talk about box trolls and the Paranorman again. Uh, no. Would you like to hear me talk about a talk about an H.P. Lovecraft-inspired story that doesn't involve a racist? That exists? Yes. I am shocked and awed. John Carpenter's in the Mouth of Madness. Pretty sure no one involves a racist. Is Sam Neill a racist? You're googling it, aren't you? Yes, because <laughs> I haven't heard of this. Yes, yeah, so in the Mouth of Madness is a John Carpenter movie. I believe it was part There's of a his... John Carpenter film. I haven't heard about. Yeah, I believe it's part of his Apocalypse trilogy. Oh no, I have seen this one. No, he's not a racist. I have seen this one. I just didn't remember the the name. Yeah, this one's really good. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Yeah, so uh, it stars Sam Neill, the fantastic Sam Neill. But he's actually, does he have anything against him? I have to, I have to know something's happened. What has happened? Oh, uh, you know, like if he's been accused of raping someone or being oh. a terrible human being. It uh, doesn't look like it. Outstanding. Sam Neill's awesome. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So Sam Neill uh, is in... Samuel stars in this as a man named John Trent, a freelance I, insurance investigator. Okay, I have one thing to say about this. I think the ending is so good that it would be reprehensible for us to actually spoil how it ends. Because I think the very ending of this movie, it's so good. The movie's 25 years old. I don't care. Go see this film. Pause this audio recording and then go see this film and then come back and listen because Dead's going to spoil it no matter what. I can't stop him now. Again, it's 25 years old. I don't care. It's like trying to spoil The Exorcist. Wait, how does that end? (laughs) Motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, man. Could you imagine if I claimed to be a horror buff and hadn't seen The Exorcist? Yeah, it's like, no, dude, totally. I fucking love movies. Wait, who's Orson Welles? <laughs> John Carpenter. Who the Does he fuck like that, make dude? tables? Does he make tables and doors? Like, <laughs> seriously? Okay, that's what you said. I thought you said, did he make Anne of Green Gables? <laughs> Anne with an E. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so Sam Neill is John Trent, freelance insurance investigator who... Is hired to I, track down I, a missing horror author named Sutter Kane. Uh, Sutter Kane is a is a horror novelist who has written a series of books for the, for this company, Arcane Publishing. But 
his final book that he, that that is owed to the to the publisher um, hasn't been delivered yet because again Sutter Kane has gone missing, and Sutter Kane's books happen to have a particular impact on people. Uh, according to a news report in the film, uh, for his less stable readers, it can drive them to memory loss, fits of hysteria, and violence, and all kinds of other shit. Uh, and apparently, some of those people of some of those less stable fans include his agent, who begins the movie by attacking Sam Neill with a fucking axe. Which it's a fucking it's a, it's a fucking fantastic scene, like the whole uh, the whole agent Again, attack. If you haven't seen this movie, stop listening, go see it, and then re and then start it from the beginning. It's only right that you start over from the beginning and listen to us. Yes, give us those plays. We need them on Spotify. <laughs> Weird thing, actually. I know just, how the just, system just works. Small tangent. We're on a bunch of like podcast publishing platforms that I have never heard of and did not apply us to. Okay. They're just they're just like dozens upon dozens of fucking podcast apps that just that just like crawl the internet for fucking RSS feeds of podcasts and they just post them. Why? Traffic? Yeah. Like it's not costing them anything. Who knows? Maybe we have more listeners than we thought. Potentially. But anyway. They're all just rushing and listening to us on uh, Putin's uh, live stream uh, tab. <laughs> yeah, but it runs on a 20-second tape suck? delay so they, can mute all, so they can mute us saying anything positive about gay people. Or America. What's that positive to say about America? That hasn't happened in a few years. That hasn't happened in a few years, has it? Yeah. But Canada's gay people all right. are awesome, especially gay Vladimir Putin. <laughs> piss off a few of our Russian listeners. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, like the whole the whole like agent attack scene is fucking great just by the way it, the way the, whole, the way it's like shot and everything and just how completely in the background it is. Because uh the whole the whole setup is that uh Sam Neil John Trent is sitting at a sitting at a t- diner table with his with his most recent client discussing what's happening as they just kind of talk about, you know, whatever shooting the shit, talking about He's like, hey, come work for my firm. Nah, it's fine. I'm a free bird. And then just and then there's the camera like cuts to a very long distance shot of a man barreling out of a bookstore across the street from the diner with an axe in his hand. As he then as he then like cuts back to inside the diner, as you just see the man walking up from the background up to the window before smashing through it with the axe. I was like, hey, just looks at just looks at a fucking Trent. He's like, do you know Sutter Kane? Is about to kill him with the axe, and then just cops show up and just shoot the fuck out of him. That whole thing's great. Anyway, so Charles, so uh, hired by Arcane Publishing, Trent goes out to look for the town of Hobbs End after discovering that the cover of all of his all of Sutter Kane's books have a red outline that, when laid together right, points to a location in New Hampshire. And he, the entire time he's thinking, "This is a dumb publicity stunt," but fuck it, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Uh, before they. And he heads out there with uh, the editor of Sutter Kane, a woman by the name of Lisa, I believe. Linda. Mm. Yeah, Linda. It has been it has been the better part of a decade since I've seen this film, hence why I forgot that I had seen this film. And 
again, this movie is, the ending is so good that I remember it after a decade. Yeah. Watch the, pause, watch the film. Actually, no, just leave us running so we can get the listen time. (laughs) Go away, watch the film, come back, like, close out the playlist, start the playlist over again so we can get the clicks, and then continue from the beginning. You keep telling them to go see the movie. Where are they going to go? It's not being shown anywhere because it's 25 years old. They're going to go see it on their television. What the What the fuck? Oh, I figure most people who listen to us listen to us on the toilet. No. Why would why would they why would they fucking subject themselves to us while pooping? <laughs> because we're the only thing available, apparently. That is a hundred percent not true. Yeah, but people listen to us, so there must be a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just so, a little bit of self deprecating humor there. Yeah, so driving driving to the town, um, uh, they the two of them pass a kid in a, mo- a kid in a bicycle uh, before passing an old man on a bicycle wearing the exact same clothes as the kid. Where he just says, "Where he just says he won't let me leave." They eventually hit the old man, who then is shown back up, totally fine, driving away on his bicycle while there's still an old man on a bicycle on the ground. And just through this really great fucking sequence, they end up in Hobbs End. Which isn't supposed to exist because it turns out that the whole, that the whole like, hey, yeah, he disappears and then all, then this shit happens. Turns out that was actually all planned. Just this wasn't a part of it. As they get to the town and it turns out the town is just everything that has been described in the books is happening. And you just see very like subtle things kind of in the background, like with the painting where it, keep, where it keeps changing every once in a while. The like actual design of the faces in the painting are fucking hideous. It All of this works so goddamn well. And it's all set up with this framing device where the beginning of the movie has um, John Trent being being committed to an insane, to a psychiatric facility, which is the former, which was actually, funny thing, uh, I believe that building was used as the brewery in Strange Brew. I think it's like a building in Canada somewhere, like like, like Toronto. So that's neat. And John Glover's there too. Oh, I see John Glover. Uh, but yeah, so he yeah, so he is uh, talking to a so Trent's talking to like a, a psychiatrist or some kind of person involved with the involved with the uh, involved with what's kind of happening, as it's implied that there is some horrid shit happening outside. I guess the town and just like all this, all this like really weird cerebral shit starts happening. Linda starts losing her fucking mind because she's been like seduced by the power of Sutter Kane and, and his friends on their side. Oh, it's so good. I'm trying to think of a way to like actually describe it because, it, but not a whole lot happens in terms of, in terms of like, you know, progression and beats and stuff. Like a lot of it is kind of cyclical. Of, of like Trent going. Oh, I don't believe this is happening. Linda's like, no, it's fucking happening for real. Well, here's some proof. Nah. And they go. And they go to. They go like go to an area and weird shit happens that I don't want to just fucking describe because me just sitting here enthusiastically but clinically describing the events of the movie kind of lose a bit of the magic. Yeah, because all of this is made with John Carpenter's signature directing and editing styles. 
Not to mention some fucking great practical effects. Like that fucking weird event horizon hallway that he runs down to escape the fucking creatures. That whole scene is great. Uh, Sutter Kane himself uh, played by uh, Jürgen Prochnow, an actor whose name you might not recognize, but who's definitely been in a whole bunch of shit. I recognize the name. I just can't peg down anywhere I've seen him. Uh, he was the bad guy in Air. He's the bad guy in Air Force One, as well as in Beverly Hills Cop Two. Ah, yeah, that's where I recognize him from. And then also just this ridiculous filmography dating back to the 1970s. He's great. Jürgen Prochnow's great. Oh I mean, yeah, like he and he has this like very cold, sinister energy whenever he's on screen. Uh. Weirdly enough, one of the townspeople in the movie is played by the guy who did the body for Vigo from Ghostbusters 2. Hmm. Yeah, he's the guy that uh, Sam Neill, he's the guy that uh, John Trent meets in the bar who kills himself. Like, like as, as things are going to shit, like the town is like slowly unraveling. Um, Trent goes to a bar that he was in earlier and sees one of the townspeople there who has, who's like beat to shit uh, with a shotgun in his hand. Um, Trent grabs a beer. It's like, this isn't real. This is like, those books are fake. This is reality. And then the guy goes to fucking put a shotgun up to put like a shotgun under his chin, goes to kill himself. And Trent like dives at him, try to stop him. He's like, no, don't. And to which he says, I can't help it. He wrote me this way. And then he kills himself. Because that's the, that's kind of the whole like thing with the movie is that uh, Sutter Kane's books, the people who are like affected by them, see that they are real and know that they have power over them. And that is all kind of fueled by what is happening kind of like what is happening on the periphery with these otherworldly beings that Sutter Kane talks to. Oh yeah. The, the whole thing is Sutter Kane is kind of the God of this planet. And technically yes. everyone is, is a character in his books. It's just yeah, the further outside of the story you are, the more freedom you have. So when you're finally actually in a book, you realize it. <laughs> yeah, uh, he... That's why I'll never tell Dead Man how his uh, character is supposed to pass. <laughs> oh, you. Yeah, like, uh, when we see, like, people reading the books, um, their, like, eyes begin doing this, like, weird double pupil thing and begin bleeding out of the eyes and nose. Um and, I love this movie so much. Yeah, and he eventually <laughs> so well done. Yeah, and he eventually ends up making it out of the town with like the fucking uh, with the manuscript in hand that he's supposed to deliver to publisher, and he just fucking tosses it away, tries to get rid of it. Eventually, ends up in like Arcane's office, like like Arcane Publishing office. They're like, yeah, we have no idea who the fuck Linda is. We didn't send you out there with anybody. We already got a copy of the book. It's been it's been in print for weeks, and yeah, the book spreads and eventually gets made into a movie. Which John Trent goes to see. And it's the movie we just watched. And, oh, that ending. Oh, that ending. Yeah, just him in the theater laughing. And it's not the friendly kind of laugh either. It's the, no, it's holy the, it's, shit balls, yeah. he just lost his entire goddamn mind. Yeah, it I is the, the defeated so laugh of a man who knows that, oh, it was futile the entire time. What the fuck? There was no point. 
Yeah, no and it's fucking fantastic. This is this is fucking what I goddamn love about Lovecraftian style stories. And that from what I have read of Lovecraftian style stories isn't in a lot of them. Like I've read I got a fucking book of Lovecraft of like a fucking like Lovecraft collection. I read the first quarter of it and I was like, "Oh, this is not what I expected." Because one of them is just about a Mexican dude. Uh, I hope it's not the book I'm planning on getting. <laughs> um, and then another, and another story in there is a. It doesn't have like gold leaf on the edge or something. Uh no, it was a, it was a collection of every one of his short stories, like every one of his stories that he that had been published in just a single book. Okay, because I'm that sounds like what I'm planning on getting, just not as fancy. Because uh, I'm going to get the Barnes and Noble Fancy Pants Edition, hardcover with gold leaf on the edge. Yeah, mine is mine was hardcover, but not with gold leaf. It just kind of it, it had a dusk it had a dusted jacket that looked like it was designed by an idiot. But yeah, just I didn't I did not expect I did not expect what I what I got when I read those initial uh, those initial Lovecraft stories because the majority of them I don't I don't know if I've. Like, I can't keep, can't keep saying the majority, but the first few I read, I either called the I either called the fucking like twist out of what was going to be happening, or what hap or what happened was just a worse written version of stuff I've already seen. Like the first story was a story called The Alchemist, and it was, and it was like about this uh, about this guy like coming back to like his old family estate. And hearing this story about like how hundreds of years ago or whatever, um, his family like pissed off some dude. And then that and then like they and then like that created like this weird like family lineage curse. That's not the one I got. Yeah, this is the edition I'm gonna get. I've actually found the edition you got. <laughs> Hopefully this one's just interesting stories. Hopefully. Uh, but yeah, like he, he's yeah, this guy like is hearing about is like learn about the story. He actually finds a secret room that kind of like leads down into this like weird underground laboratory underneath the estate. And then a guy comes out. It's like I was the guy from two hundred years ago. You fucker! I'm still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Co- look forward to the reading list coming soon. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me. Where either dead or I will set books for the other to read, and will come in and bitch about them for two hours. Again, you said it, not me. No, you said it to me like 15 dozen times outside of recording. Don't put this on me. I said it to you once outside of recording. You said it to me a few times. Like, oh, I have this idea that I want to do. Yeah. No. Don't, I said it to you once that I remember. Me. Never on recording. Don't put it on me. Don't put it. No, you never said it on recording. But I don't care. They don't care. They, don't, <laughs> they won't expect anything. They know how the site works. Yeah. 90% of what I say doesn't get done. Fair enough. Anyway. In the Mouth of Madness is great. Like, just 100% go seek it out, find it, watch it. It is a fantastic Lovecraftian movie. It's a fantastic, like, Lovecraftian existential cosmic horror style movie that I fucking love. John Carpenter is a fantastic director who unfortunately fell off in in more recent years. Uh, if you wish to view it, it is available on Amazon Prime, iTunes, and Google Play, all for three dollars each. Yeah, sure. If you want to be a, if you want to be a fucking square about it, 
and pay people. Yes, or buy a Blu-ray. Just... Yeah, you can also buy the Blu-ray. Yes. If you, you know, could find it. Yes. Anywho, moving right along. Uh, fucking, I watched Galaxy Quest again. By Grab Thor's Hammer. Yep. That movie's amazing. The reason I watched it is because uh, Screen Junkies, the YouTube channel, made a documentary about it. Are you kidding me? No, they they have they have made a documentary that they're going to be releasing into theaters. Limited run, but still. And that's just kind of neat. And also, I'm surprised it took people this long. Like, folks, goddamn love Galaxy Quest. It is said by many people with opinions that matter a lot more than mine uh, that it is the greatest Star Trek movie ever made. It is this phenomenal fucking movie written and directed by people that understand what people love about Star Trek, understand a relationship between actors and fans, and make a movie that is the best of both of those worlds. It's basically, what if the Orville was self-aware it was a TV show? And it's fucking fantastic. Caveman, I stepped away for a bit, so I'm fucking trying to goddamn vamp for time. But like, fuck, I keep forgetting how fucking good Sam Rockwell is in that movie. I I know Sam Rockwell is a great actor, and I have constantly seen that in everything that I've seen him in. No matter how bad the movie is, no matter how fucking boring or whatever, Sam Rockwell is always doing his fucking damnedest, being out there, out there being a goddamn professional. And a good one of that. He is a phenomenal actor. Uh, Tony Shalhoub. I keep, I, I keep like rewatching these movies and getting like a refresher course on everything I know about these movies and every opinion I already have about them. Like Tony Shalhoub whole thing where he's just off his ass on drugs, basically the entire movie, despite never actually doing drugs in the movie. The relationship he built with Missy Pyle's character, um, not exactly deep, but you know, he got a fuck a squid puppet. So that's something. Uh, who the f- who the fuck played Laredo? Like I I know the majority of the people in that fuck in that movie, and I do not know who played Laredo, or Tommy. Yeah, that was his fucking name, Tommy. I'm just double checking that now because I feel like I should give him a bit of credit uh, there. So yeah, Daryl Mitchell. That was the guy, Daryl Mitchell. That motherfucker is in his 50s. What the hell? That. Does that track? I don't know. I'm trying to just. Okay, yeah, fuck that. These motherfuckers are old. I. God damn it. Time. You piece of shit. This keeps happening. This keeps happening where I just I look up something and it's like oh oh god oh Jesus Christ what have I done Ugh. yeah I I haven't got a chance to see the documentary yet because again it is currently only available well not currently 
it will soon only be available in select theaters in like I'm assuming the local area where they made it. But I <coughs> I really want to see that documentary. I really want to see how they kind of I want to see I want to see what the do- I want to see what people take away from the document. I want to see what I take away from the documentary. That's that's where I'll end the Galaxy Quest talk. Well, you're going to have to tell us all about it after you've found a way to watch it. Yes, and I will find a way. By grab Thaw's hammer, I will find a way. We really need to do a sci-fi game so I can shout that constantly. <laughs> we're, we're doing a sci-fi game. Borderlands. No, I mean a tabletop RPG. Ah, okay. Well, I'm still learning Shadowrun. Ah, I can't shout that during that. It has to be like a space game. What the fuck? The fuck you can't. That game is based... The game is based in in the future of the real world, which means the movie existed. Yeah. But what, do I worship the film? Sure. That'd why not? Weird. That'd be a weird thing. There are... You're telling me that a, that a dude worshipping a fantastic movie is weirder than other religions? No. Fair. Okay, yeah, I know. Once you figure out Shadow Run, I'll start shouting Grabthar's Hammer. Yeah, fuck. Have it be have it be that he made goddamn Beatles about goddamn Galaxy Quest. Made Beatles about what? So Beatles, for those who don't know, in Shadowrun, um are They're called BTLs. Yes. They're or not called Beatles. Beatles. I've never heard anyone refer to them as Beatles. I'm referring to them as Beatles, because fuck you. BTL, like Beatles, is a lot rolls off the tongue a lot better than BTLs. Yes, it does. I'll agree with you. Uh, but it's just it's why I was confused. Yeah, so just make yeah, it just makes a bunch makes a bunch of fucking BTLs. For those who don't know, BTL stands for Better Than Life, which is a which is a type of um, VR program in the Shadowrun universe where it's VR is it's you know full sensory. It's yeah. full sensory. Well, no, it's not just full sensory. It is. It is full sensory with the good sensories amped up. Mm-hmm. It's drugs. Yes. It's virtual drugs. Yeah. Remember remember that one day where you had that one fucking like burger that you never been able to find again because the restaurant shut down and it was like all oh, the best burger ever? But then you like have a VR memory of it and it's like, oh, that wasn't that great. With a beetle of it, that burger is fucking orgasmic. That's a fucking anime burger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I could work that in Shadowrun, but we're not talking about Shadowrun. We're talking about movies. Yes, we are. And the final movie I watched, because I've only watched a couple things this week, these last couple weeks, because stuff. I watched Maleficent. Yay. <laughs> that, that's about the response. Woohoo. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, I have heard things about the sequel. Which recently came out, and I was like, I never got around to actually seeing the first one, despite it being the only live-action Disney thing that has looked even potentially interesting. And I was like, okay, fuck it. Just bite the bullet. Watch it. It's totally fine. The whole idea of, like, the... Like, I liked exactly one thing about it. Like, and I say, when I say like, I mean like genuinely, like, I think back on this and I actually enjoy this concept. I liked that Maleficent wasn't the bad guy. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the entire selling point of the movie. The fuck? 
<laughs> yeah, no, like why do you the... send me these things? <laughs> because we're friends. <laughs> oh. But no, like contextless that... reacts gifts you do not send to friends. <laughs> yes, I do. It's what I do anyway. Uh, but no, like it's a movie. Like Maleficent, Maleficent was enjoyable. It was an interesting take, which I wish Disney did more with their live action remakes. Yeah, different takes. Yeah, but like they're it, not gonna. So yeah, well, they're not gonna outside of Maleficent, which is getting a sequel where they're where it looks like they're ruining their premise from the first one. No, so what? So I have read I've read up on the sequel. So what happens is so. So Maleficent, you know, got goody goody, got you know, good and fucking cool with the, with like a, the fucking human kingdom nearby because, fucking her god, her goddaughter is now fucking Lord on high, whatever. Mm-hmm. But now she is trying. But now she is trying to get in good with the soon to be in laws. Oh. Because the fucking Prince Philip or whatever that uh, that Aurora met in the first movie, who fucking shockingly is played by the motherfucker who plays Robin in the goddamn Titans TV series. Oh, which is weird because in the movie, he actually had a certain amount of charisma and charm. <laughs> I don't remember him that I actually forgot that he was in the movie. Yeah, he's not so. in it very much, but he is just a very like even headed kind of likable dope. Like he, like at one point, like Maleficent, like is like, okay, we need true love's kiss. Hey, you're that, you're that fucking dude my daughter likes. Missed in your face, and then literally drops him face first on the floor, and he like wakes up. Is like, mind the castle. Oh, dope! I was trying to get here. And that was that. That's basically what he did. But yeah, so the two of them had formed a relationship, and so, and so Maleficent went over to the kingdom where this prince is from. To essentially try to, to essentially just like to meet his parents and to like you know to know the family that Aurora is marrying into, and then the queen is like, "Oh, I don't like magical people because of racism. I have spread the story about the horrible shit you did, which is the Sleeping Beauty movie, and then stabs her, and then stabs her husband with a fucking variant of the sleeping curse, and was like, Maleficent fucking cursed my husband." Yeah, it's basically Michelle Pfeiffer spread a propaganda story, which was the original Sleeping Beauty movie. And and Maleficent is like, nah, son. Okay, no, I can get behind that. Yeah, again, it's an idea. Something that the other films aren't doing. Exactly. Both Maleficent movies, for some goddamn reason, are the only movies where people are like looking at the original source material and going, hey, what if we did something else? There's an idea we have. Yeah, like the last fucking morsel of creativity that it goddamn exists within the fucking Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse productivity machine. Oh my god! Actually, like I, I was recently at my mom's, who still has cable because she's backwards. Yeah. Um, I was watching the Disney Channel, <laughs> and the new Mickey Mouse cartoon, it's just bad. Is that the CG like, one? 
No, no. Uh, let me see if I can't find an image. But it looks like it was drawn by someone who was a fan of the old style, but can't draw. Nice. So, like, let me see if I can't find an image. You mean like Steamboat Willie old style? Yes, like Steamboat Willie old style. Okay, so it was like Noodle Era, but minus talent. Yeah, and it's especially prevalent in Goofy, who just looks horrifying. Jeez. Like he's gro- he is a grotesque monster. Oh, here's one of him as a grotesque monster. Nice. Um, but no, that's not. I'm going to give you a uh, standard image just so that you have a an average backing. Like this is what he look Goofy looks like normally and that's what Mickey looks like normally. It's like it's like they drew over the original cells and then just were like let's add some shit to Goofy to make him look more you it know, looks like a Newgrounds like cartoon. Effort. Yes, that's what. Yes, yes, that's what it looks like. It looks like the kind of cartoon where Goofy in a couple of minutes would be just fucking like would be fucking Mickey in the ashes, going. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I wholeheartedly support that concept of that is what that looks like. I've been saying fuck way more than I should in this recording. What are we getting censored by YouTube too now? No, we don't put this shit on YouTube. And even if we did, we don't monetize them. Support our Patreon. Yeah. I just, I noticed that I have, I noticed like, as I was talking about Maleficent, I've said fuck a lot. Like in the last half hour. Like a lot, a lot. Yeah. The big problem I have kind of with Maleficent just kind of as a movie, pacing. Like the way that movie, the way that movie runs, the way that movie builds the relationship between Maleficent and Aurora, the way that it resolves everything, and the way that like things are revealed and whatever, none of that works in an engaging way. The entire movie is primarily held down by uh, Angelina Jolie's cheekbone prosthetics. <laughs> Oh, fucking those razor blades. Word. Shink, shink. Yeah, fuck. You hit, her in, you hit her in the face right when she turns into a Cenobite. You hit her in the face wrong and you've lost a hand. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah just, just a human. It's just like, you fairy bastard. Punches her in the face and then just pulls his hand back. His knuckles are caved in. <laughs> ah! She's really into the body mod scene. <laughs> like, they didn't put those on child her. She grew into them cheekbones. <laughs> They're not even really part of her face in the lore. They're like these, uh, there's like these bony outcroppings that she injected into herself so that she could headbutt people from the side as well in case they tried to steal her wings again. Yeah, she, she needed 360 degree headbutts. <laughs> the reason she hadn't gotten, the reason she hadn't gotten one in her chin yet is because her old guy had left town, so she's trying to find a new doctor. Oh. Surprisingly hard to find one in a swamp. Secret lore of the Maleficent movie revealed here. Yeah, going to Maleficent 2, you meet the rest of her weird, like, winged fey creature friend, like, like, winged fey creature community, and they're all just deep into the body mod scene. 
One dude rolls oh, all up. All of them with- were ori- all of them were originally normal looking humans. Uh, the only reason they're Fae is because they actually have surgeons who can fix them. And dear God, yeah, these surgeons are skilled. Yeah, you meet up. Like Chiwetel Ejiofor is in the new movie as one of these other like Fae creatures, and he just rolls up, turns it as an RFID tag embedded in his horns. <laughs> Ed screens there, and he has like circuitry built in, so he can control his phone from his like he can control his phone with his forearm. There's one dude there that's just actually, like that's just like full fucking cyber scene. Just the gas mask with a massive wig. Le- this is actually a tie-in for the new Shadowrun movie that uh, uh, Disney's putting out. <laughs> yeah, Maleficent just runs and is like, "Hey, Chummer, you want a beetle?" <laughs> It all ties back together. This massive, this massive fantasy community, this massive fantasy world and franchise happening above them as an army of fucking ironclad warriors descend on the Moors, and then meanwhile Maleficent is in a fucking cyber opium den, just just high off her ass on beetles. Uh, she's actually living the t- the uh, bad version of her life just because she wants to see like if she had made better decisions there. Yeah, like if her, like like she killed Aurora for real, and now she's just on her. Now she's just like down there living a simulation of what happened if Aurora loved her. Just, I want to <laughs> see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hit us that, up, Disney. Well, you I guess call that's it canon Disney in my Dark. Shadowrun world now. You can call it Disney Dark. Seriously, call us. We will write darker versions of your movies that like you can then run like for mature audiences and finally tap into that mature audience scene and claim that hey, we aren't we did we didn't these these two assholes are just doing it on their own. Well, good luck call with us. that cuz I will not be involved. I on a moral stance I cannot accept money from Disney. I can accept money from anyone who will give it to me. I will sell out so fast if it means I don't have to work in retail. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's all I watched. Uh, all right. But, so but there have there have been other stuff I've been trying to get a hold of. Like there's one movie I've been trying to get a hold of for the last little while that I cannot find, despite the fact that I got a Blu-ray release like three years ago. What? The Shout. The what? The Shout. It is a British horror movie from the 70s uh, starring John Hurt and Alan Bates. No wonder I haven't heard of this shit. And it is about a married couple played by John Hurt and Susanna York. Uh, the two of them are kind of living on, you know, the English ocean, the English coastline. Just having, you know, good times or whatever. Um, Tim Curry is also in it. Oh, I need to see this movie. And then, uh, and then one day a... <coughs> Drifter rolls up, played by Alan Bates, who is like, hey, I'm living with you guys now, and exhibits bizarre otherworldly powers that he claims he got from an aboriginal shaman, as well as an ability called the Terror Shout, a shout so powerful that if you listen to it unprotected, you die instantly. Huh. Cool. Yeah, and so it's about and so it's about this fucking drifter. Um Weaseling his way into their life and slowly mind controlling John Hurt's wife away from him, using so, his ancient Aboriginal powers, which leads me to my final thing before I pass it off to you. 
why hasn't there been a movie yet about what happens about like an alternate history where Aboriginal people just straight up do have all these magic powers that white people learn from them, but then use them to defend themselves and fuck all the white people? Because white people still control most of the world. Yes, but there is also a significant portion of there's also a large portion of like Native American people, and a chunk of them make movies. Yes, and they wouldn't make money because I fucking watch that. Yes, you and I would watch that. A goddamn a goddamn modern day society built on the built entirely out of like the expand like built entirely out of like modernization of expansion of like Native American cultures plus their fucking wizards. Yes, you and I would watch that. But the family in Middle America that makes up the majority of the revenue in America would not. So, A, the majority of people's revenue is made in China. Not Middle America. Fuck Middle America. Middle America don't matter anymore. And B, we're in the internet age now, motherfucker. At least that goddamn shit on Netflix, no one gives a fuck, no one gives a fuck what it's about. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But, um, Native American filmmakers, get on this shit. This is a goddamn land. This is a goddamn gold mine. Call us. We will work for peanuts. In, in Dead's case, literally. <laughs> Not literally. I don't like peanuts. But also, I don't feel super comfortable about, hey, Native Americans, let me, a white man, write this Native American old history for you. Oh, no, no, no. We don't want to write the old history. We just want credit for the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this Native American inspired, this Native American built franchise made by Native Americans, starring Native Americans, created by two white dudes. I'm Native American. Okay, created by one white dude. I am one sixteenth uh, Native, no, one eighth Native American on my gra- by my grandmother. So yeah, <laughs> I get to, I get to, I get to count. Okay, so one one white guy and one white guy Native American. <laughs> uh, like that is ludicrous. That that is, that is the whitest thing I've ever heard you no, say. No, that's almost. a rapper. He's black. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, say like, no, I'm Native American. I'm one eighth. That is the whitest thing I've heard you say so far. <laughs> hey, at least I'm not trying to get a check from the casinos. <laughs> God. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So before I talk about what I've actually watched, I got a bit of a bitch coming. Oh, good. Uh, Hulu, get your shit together. Yeah, you saw it available in Canada. Huluween, I like. I like Huluween. It's got some good stuff up for offer, like Huluween Essentials, A Quiet Place, Chucky, Hellraiser. Yes, please. Huluween the Film film Fest, The Dunes, I haven't seen it, looks interesting. The Ripper, interesting. It's like, come on. So for reference... What the fuck is Huluween? Huluween, every October and a little bit of September, they gather a bunch of their horror shit and lump it all into one category so you can scare yourself. It's it's actually a really convenient way for someone who loves horror movies to actually enjoy some horror movies. Um, Do they not they have... Amityville so- Horror. They don't have... like they, Their horror section is very confusing to navigate, but Huluween actually is... It brings it to the forefront, so I can actually like just enjoy some of this shit. Like, so for one month, s- so for one month a year, Hulu fixes its user interface. Yes, in my opinion, Hulu's interface sucks. In my also, in my opinion, apparently, from what I've heard, Hulu sucks. Eh, it's okay. 
Um, but there, there is one section of Huluween that is useless. And that is their For the Family section. The very first movie the For the Family section recommends immediately buries it so far into the grave that it will never be able to dig itself out, no matter how much of the uh, zombie virus affects it. Tyler Perry's Boo to a Medea Halloween. Oh, hell yeah. Not even the first one, which <laughs> I don't know if it's quality because it's a Tyler Perry Medea movie. I will I will check what people say about it. It's And it's kind of like a mixed issue bag from there. Like it is very like all of the for the family section is guaranteed for that is not guaranteed is gauged for that 5-year-old member of your family. Not something that everybody can enjoy, but so that the 5-year-old will get a get a laugh out of it. Okay. The 5-year-old will be amused by it. No one else. Just the five-year-old. Okay, I mean, fucking so. the Wiggles Wiggly Halloween is in this shit. <laughs> the only interesting stuff is from like 20 years ago with Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Tiny Toons the Night Gallery. So when, so when you say Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, wait, no. I'm, sorry, I'm thinking of Buffy. I mean the old one. The 20 years ago one. Okay, yeah. The sorry. one with I, actual good acting. No, I was, I was confusing it with... Uh, I was thinking, like, wait, did you mean the TV show or the movie that inspired the TV show? I was thinking of Buffy. No, the TV show. Yeah, the TV show. Um, but it's like this, and oh, three cooking shows. Ooh, spooky. They're Halloween themed. Oh, I made a cupcake, but I, but I frosted it orange. It's like, fucking Hulu, get your shit together. Put some good stuff in the for the family section. There is more mature stuff that is still viable for little ones to watch. Like, any child that gets raised on this shit is going to grow up to be the biggest pansy, and they're also going to hate horror on the premise that none of it is actually scary. And I'm desensitized to fucking horror, and I'm saying this shit. Because I watched too much horror when I was a kid. Yeah, so, um... For reference, uh, Boo, Amadea Halloween, um, sits at a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, with the consensus being, Boo, Amadea Halloween won't win Tyler Perry's long-running franchise, Many New Converts, but at nine films and counting, it hardly needs to. Which is sad. Uh, but for reference, um, hey, Cloverfield's in here. Yeah, but for reference, Cinema Score, a quote-unquote industry invasion reader, of the Body Snatchers. I'm watching that. Which one? Invasion, the uh, old one, the uh, 1978 one. Okay, the remake. Well, it's old to me. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I so, didn't know there was one before that. Yeah, the 50s. Wow! Holy shit! All uh, three of the species movies are in here. <laughs> <laughs> right, species. I forgot it. Fuck. Fuck. Species 1, 2, and 3 are in this shit. I, I need to rewatch those. I do not remember VP if they're good or not. VP in your Hulu. Anyway, so yeah, uh, yes, it, Rotten Tomatoes, it has their fucking. It has their 19%. On Cinema Score, a quote unquote industry leader in measuring movie appeal among theater audiences has it rated at A. 
on a grade on a scale of A to F plus. Sorry, I just threw up in my mouth. Yep. Uh, also, on a $20 million budget, because apparently those movies require $20 million, yep. it made back $75 million worldwide. At least there's that. At least there's that. There's what? That it didn't make back its budget. It, oh, no, it... It, it did. Sorry, it did. I, I heard I, you said twenty million. I heard two hundred million. No, no, twenty. It made twenty million. Still too much. Yeah, it really is. But if this movie cost fucking two hundred million dollars, hey, they have two. They have at least two of the Saw movies on here. Ugh. I'm just going through Halloween now. Could you not? We're doing a thing. I know, but like you're talking about Medea, and I need to purge the taste from my mind. Okay, talk about a movie other than Medea. Well, I'll talk about TV shows other than Medea. Um, Does Medea have a so, TV show yet? I think she did for a little while. Fuck. Um, so, the first thing I want to talk about is something that Dead probably hasn't heard about. It's called The Unlisted. Which, if I remember correctly, is an Australian TV show that is now streaming on uh, I Netflix. Double, I will double check. It's... What I've only watched the first uh, episode and the se- and the first half of the second episode, and it's very interesting. It stars some. Uh, it stars. It seems to star an Indian family just in general. The main characters are two Indian twin. Are they Indian twins? Um, uh, Drew and Cal. Okay. Uh, and they are part of a special initiative where a special company com- came in and is running their school and is giving everyone an advantage that they couldn't uh, have otherwise by installing uh, microchips in their teeth to track them and give them superpowers. <laughs> yeah, it's the whole child army thing. Um, it's actually entertaining to me. Okay. Um, I... Like the acting is solid enough. Um, the brothers have a have a fun dynamic. Uh, they they there's a group of kids that live underground. I haven't really gotten to that part of the uh, show yet, but I'm looking forward to that part. I'm looking forward to seeing how they low budget superpowers <laughs> because the show looks fairly low budget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just reference. It is Australian. Hmm. And. And the first thing my father-in-law asked me is, where is it set? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, is <laughs> Let your father-in-law Australian? Oh, no one. What? Is your father-in-law Australian? No, he's British. Oh. Um, uh, <laughs> and like, it was like, I don't know. Let me Google it. The internet doesn't know either. So, like, he actually watched, like, the first two episodes, first episode and a half with me, and he seemed to be enjoying it, so, like, if he'll pay attention to it, it must be entertaining. Yeah. And as you were describing it, I also looked up, I also looked over just in the side thing on Wikipedia of a bit more information, and it's like, yeah, set in a school where a company comes in, it's like, hey, kids, yeah, we're gonna do this thing, and I looked over, it's like, oh, another brick in the wall is the theme song. Wait, what? <laughs> just like, yeah, that is... I- I have enjoyed what I've watched. I plan to sit down and watch more of it when I have time to just tune off, turn off and tune in. Um, I highly recommend it to anyone who is into the like teenage drama kind of thing. Cause 
It's what's interesting to me. <laughs> it's like it's what I was. Uh, it's kind of what I grew up watching, and I'm kind of I never got out of that mood. So yeah. So the actors are um, actual children, right? Uh, it looks like it. Okay, yeah, because um, uh, the they list the age of the characters at twelve years old, and I'm just trying to in my head. Like they wouldn't be like that they might stupid, be older, but I think they might be older, but I'm pretty sure they're teenagers still. Like at most teenagers. Okay. Uh, the next thing I watched was a cartoon that's been on Netflix for a while, but like I have been watching it in spurts. It's Hilda. Haven't watched that one either. No. Okay. So Hilda is about a little white girl. Who lives in a fantasy world? Why can I make it a white her and thing? Her mom, what? Why can I make it a white thing? Because she acts very white because she's British. Ah, okay. <laughs> like, I, like all the characters are very British, so they all act very white, even the black kid. <laughs> um, but they they live out in the middle of nowhere and interact with fantasy creatures at all times. And then her mom's like, you're getting into too much danger, you rambunctious little one. We're going to move. And she and she eventually convinces her mom, we don't have to move. So a giant steps on their house, so they have to move. <laughs> Fucking giants. <laughs> yeah, it's like she helps a giant reunite with its lost love. And then they have to move because the giant, not paying attention, steps on their house. It's like, I'm um, the bitch, dude. So they move to a city called Trollberg, which is a walled-off city to prevent trolls from getting in and eating children. Wait, Nilbok is goblin backwards. Yeah. Um. And the show is basically about the antics the little girl gets up to within the city walls. Oh, oh fun, funny antics. Strange, Ooh. magical, mystical creatures. Uh, it's well-written and well-acted and well-animated. Like I can't, I can't decry it in any way, which is why I'm, can, why I'm actively planning on watching more episodes. Yeah, it just kind of sounds like a, just based on, based on your description and opinion of it, just kind of sounds like a well done thing that we have kind of seen before. Yeah, and it's enjoyable. Um, all of the characters are likable enough. Uh, we re- like it very much. Like has some like kids me- kid kids story message kind of feeling like oh everyone has their fears that they have to face no matter how different you think you are Whoa. <laughs> um and it doesn't take that tone with it it takes a slightly creepier tone um but it's enjoyable like i thoroughly i what i've watched of it has been fun uh i plan to watch more of it I can't I can't really say anything bad about it, but like this is why I'm not the best for this uh section cuz unless I have something to bitch about, I'm just going to be short and sweet cuz <laughs> it's like what can I say other than I enjoyed it? I enjoyed it. Uh the animation's very fluid, so like I'm not running into like the stutteriness. It's a pretty art style unlike the new Disney Channel uh, Mickey Mouse cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um <laughs> so like it's actually visually interesting and impressive. Uh the the I love the I love the creature designs. The fantastical creatures that we're getting. Uh the ones in the very first few episodes are very 
fantastical and fun. And, like, it's not just a one and done. Because the trolls come back. They reference other things that have happened in previous episodes. So at least it seems to acknowledge that there is a continuing narrative. I just haven't gotten into that continuing narrative yet, if there is one. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't expect one. I don't expect a continuing narrative. Because this feels very much like a kid's cartoon show. Yeah, just kind of episodic. Hey, hey, who's the new creature that we're going to make friends with this episode? Woo! It feels like an early, like the early seasons of Adventure Time. You know, you've got your cast of friends. They go off and, and do these weird, fantastical things. And then at the end, they've gone back home to... They've gone back... Well, it doesn't do that kind of shit. <laughs> it doesn't seem to actively be trying to generate memes about it. Uh, which was a problem with Adventure Time, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, though I still love making bacon pancakes. But the final thing is something that Dead can actually help me comment on. Yay, I've excluded him for so long. Beast Morphers has finally hit Netflix. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Beast Morphers has finally come home. It's all right. Like it's actually one of the better Power Rangers seasons so far, in my opinion, of the like new era. Um, it feel it feels like they finally hit their stride. Di- uh, Dino Charge was good, but there were hiccupy moments. There were uh-huh. a few episodes where I was like, "Why the fuck does this exist?" Um, this one early on, it feels like they're pandering, like like they toggled the pander to kids switch to eleven. Yeah, we talked about that a bit when it first aired. Like I talked about a, like I watched the first couple episodes when it when it was like initially airing, and talked about them on here and pissed you off a lot with it. Yeah, but after they, uh, after like they establish it, it's not just a okay. We've forgotten about this ever existing. Um, it still is a thing. So like the the Blue Ranger still has to cool himself off. The Yellow Ranger still has to eat carrots. It's a childish understanding of how DNA works, but at least they didn't like hand wave it off, and at least they don't constantly play it for jokes. It's a serious thing that they have to deal with. Does the Red Ranger still get armor locked when he sees a dog? Thankfully, no. Okay. At the very least, we haven't seen dogs around him, so as of right now, it hasn't come up again. Yeah, like that was the um, thing. I think that was the thing that might have bugged me the most was uh like in those early episodes when like the yellow ranger like lost power or whatever or like or like the blue ranger got like overheated and pissed off and stuff like they looked like at least they looked like they were at least like happening to them from stuff from stuff inside them but like with the red ranger he sees a dog for what I remember like oh no a dog yeah oh no a dog and then I remember I might have misremembered this I remember like this wave of red energy that like sweeps over him as he freezes I don't remember that, but I do remember him just freezing up. And it's just like... Yeah, just in my head from that first episode, it's like he runs out, sees a dog, and then all of a sudden armor lock from Halo. I don't think that's what happened. I think, like, he psychologically froze up or something. But That's yeah, probably what happened. Like, I'll check like, it out when I rewatch the, it. The other thing that I really like is, shockingly, the comedy duo. Because they're trying. Not trying to be funny, but trying. And that actually makes them funny to me. Like, watching them try and fail 
is amusing as someone who regularly tries and fails. And I like them. Like, I didn't think I'd say that. I thought I'd be pissed at them the entire show. But yeah, again, no, I thoroughly enjoy them. I thoroughly enjoy them. I think they're amusing. And I love the fact that their father has come in and is trying to, like, Oh, look at my genius children! As they are being actively incompetent. It's 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 amusing to me. It's like, oh yes, um, my children are so smart. You hear screaming in the background. How do you have a mop stuck up your nose? <laughs> I also really enjoy how competent all of the adults are being. Like my the only part that's incompetent is the fact that they got a group of teenagers, and I'm pretty sure they said the reason that they had teenagers cast. Like, yeah, I'm I, pretty sure, like, they said it was like, oh, their DNA is more mutable or something like that. Yeah, and like, waved it away. Yeah, like, basically, it was they, since they were young, their DNA hadn't set. Yeah, but the, you know, science. Boss, the boss lady is competent about organizing her team. She's trusting. She's planning ahead. She's a good leader, which is something the Rangers have sorely lacked for a while. Yeah, um, yeah. Keeper was... Uh, he was a creeper in a robe. <laughs> no, he was an absentee mentor. He's um, worse than Zordon. The Red Ranger's dad is a good parent. Like, he may be overbearing, and it may be more than a little annoying that there's an entire episode to, devoted to the Red Ranger can't find a way to convince his dad that he's working with the Rangers somehow, so he has to get a job at a car wash, and now his dad is disappointed because he's no longer employed at the car wash. Because his because the guy who runs the, empl- the car wash was reasonable. <laughs> I can just imagine there's a... Well, no, like, he keeps leaving work early to go do ranger shit. And it's like, it's an emergency. And the the guy at the car wash is like, look, you can either work here or you can go have your emergencies. But I'm not going to just... I'm not... Like, there are other people who will want this job. Yeah, it's 100% reasonable. I don't care that that you're the mayor's son. (laughs) I'm going to tell your dad, though, because he worked really hard with me to get you this job. Like, I actually am like, I'm a good guy. Don't be mean. Just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm no, not some fucking, I'm not some like weird vindictive asshole who's like, Hey, you're seven minutes late. Yeah. Um, also the Rangers morpher, like not morphers communicators get destroyed. And in that same episode and when the boss shows up, like, where have you been? I have been calling you. Blue goes over and picks up the communicators. Like someone destroyed our communicators. And she's like, well, shit. All right, uh, we're going to head to the scene of the next attack. Can you sh- transport transport some new communicators to these guys? Because I need to get in contact with them. She's not angry at them. Which so many fucking other mentors would have been angry. Yeah. Like, that's just a just, Oh, your equipment about, was destroyed? What were you, what were you, yeah, what were you doing bringing them into a fight? What were you thinking? Oh, no, it was out of a fight. <laughs> but it was like, like... <laughs> So yeah, many would, other mentors been, would have, would yeah, have and, given them so much shit yeah, like, over and, that. Like, shit outside of people's power happens all the time. Shit gets broken. And then with any other mentor, it would be, how the fuck dare you? And then the entire message of the episode would be, you got to learn to take personal responsibility. You've got to take responsibility for other people breaking your things. Meanwhile this, one, meanwhile, this one is like, okay, yeah. 
let's get some new ones out there. Yeah, you guys need these. And uh, look, I'm not going to waste time yelling at you for something that was completely outside of your power. So, yeah, shit happens. <laughs> Here's a new gun. And the Red Ranger shows, like, some forward thinking and actual strategic planning, which, again, in Power Rangers, is so goddamn rare. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> like, like, characters episode... planning things and actually following through, through on those plans. So goddamn rare. Yeah, I remember the second episode when they decided to, when they were, like, trying to decide who the leader was, and Yellow and Blue were both, like, having the big old fucking dick measuring contest. Yeah, they were having a fit about it. And he's just like, fucking dude! Let, let's just do the thing. And they're like, no, we're each better than each other. And he's like, nah, I'm just going to lead. Yeah. How's about fuck the both of you and do what I say? But like, you know, chill and leaderly. Yeah. Which we all know dead man is a great leader because he runs the site. Um. Exactly. Everything posted on time as it should. Uh, but yeah, um, <laughs> Red is possibly one of the best ranger, Red Rangers that we've had for a while, and he chronically suffers from Red Ranger Syndrome. Okay, and by that, mean? I mean, I'm having a personal problem. Let me not tell anyone who could actually help me until they force me to. Oh, yeah, that fucking bullshit. I'm the leader. <sighs> my problems are my own. I don't want to put that on the team. Like, the thankfully, rest- the, t- the team isn't incompetent at noticing when he needs help, but... Yeah. It's like, hey, yo, dumbass! Fucking let us help you. We're part of a team, eh? We're a team, aren't we? What are we, some sort of suicide squad? Nah, that was a terrible movie. That is a joke for me and me alone. Anyway. <sighs> um... But yeah, Beast Morphers. On its way to being one of the better best seasons of Power Rangers. Well, so they don't fuck it up. It's got a it's got a lot to live up to. I'm only like 6 episodes in, so fingers crossed. Yep. But it none of the main characters are playing the role of the hokey comic relief characters. Uh they've already yes. got a kind of romance bu- brewing which might be interesting if they handle it correctly. Doesn't involve the uh, Red Ranger. No! Woo! It involves the Yellow Ranger and their scientist, who I believe becomes a ranger later on. Noice! Yes. I'm very mu- sec- I am very much interested secondary in relationship building. I love it. Yeah. Um, our two bumbling idiots don't seem to be becoming, be becoming rangers, which was one of my fears. Yeah. Like, when I watched the first two episodes, I was like, this is as child pandery as possible. They're going to make those two idiots rangers. And they yeah, don't like, seem to be it, doing that, so... It very worked much for Ziggy. I don't think it would work for them. Ziggy was fun, though. Ziggy wasn't just incompetent. He was actually fun. And he thought around problems a lot. These two... They'll think around problems, but their thinking isn't as well thought out as possible. Yeah. Now, I do have a few problems. Okay. Um, And, like, the first problem that I can think of is... They don't seem to understand how technology works. <laughs> um, so are they, are in, they like, oh, my communicator broke. Oh, no, the, the genie who lives inside of it, who sends my words, is hurt. No, they have pedal-powered bicycles. 
that are powered by Morph X. <laughs> yes. Exactly. You see my issue. What, did they just take like a fucking... It's like, all right, yeah, we found this bike at the dump. Let's inject it with Morph X. Oh, now it's a 10-speed. No. um, They invented brand new bicycles that were powered by Morph X, except I can't figure out how they're powered by Morph X. Like, I can't figure out what the Morph X does for the bike. Like... It, like, my wife suggested that it, like, the pedal is how you mo- meter the speed and that it actually makes you go faster than if you were just pedaling on its own. Except that they show us people riding them and at no point does it look like they're going any faster. Which is such a simple editing trick that I literally could do it right now. Dead? Dead? You there? Okay. Um, I'm going to assume that you just had a hiccup there. But it's it it's so baffling that they don't seem to know how technology works. And another example of this is a spacecraft that has more than enough flight stabilizers that has a few decorative ones forward failing massively. And the argument is... That you have your stabilizers in the wrong place. Even though that they, he has all the stabilizers he needs in the right places. So it's flight path destabilizing so horribly doesn't make sense. This also still has the problem of Power Rangers, uh, Power Rangers CG, which is Ugh. cartoonish at best in some cases. Um, it might be but- on par with anime CG. But let's see, what else? Oh, they convert Morph X energy into a liquid so that it can be used to power the entire city. When, since it was already energy, they could have used pre-existing infrastructure. Now, that's done. We we need to build an entire new infrastructure that is liquid-based. Also, the entire episode about the bikes is a supposed to be like an eco episode, except the entire point of the show is Morphex is a clean source of fuel. Yeah. So why do we need a li- like an alternative to? Well, I clean as far as we know, we've yet to we've yet to see any of their like environmental tests exposing baby chicks to that shit. Like, it's just this show doesn't seem to understand how science, like at all. I mean obvious from the fact that they think jackrabbits get all of their energy from carrots. Yeah, or that cats I think someone of went to the school kind, of Looney Tunes. Yeah, or like cats of any kind have a psychological, uh, like, a, like a like a physiological fucking like back door where if they see a dog, they immediately lock up. Fight or yeah, flight, okay. what's that? Oh, God. Well, it could just be that his fight or flight triggers and he paralyzes. His fight or flight Except also includes him flop, freeze, and friends. End. Yeah. But, like, more so. Ugh. So. Yeah, I look forward to the end of this series where, in a Dino Charge-esque way, it ends with the Morph X exploding and raining down from the sky, thus turning the entire city into a city of mutant monsters. This entire show feels like it wants to be less competent than it is. (laughs) (laughs) Um... It really does. Because, like, for every like every good decision, they make a bad one, but then they make, like, two more good decisions. 
<laughs> it's weird. It's a very weird juggling act with this show. So and I'm not sure how I feel. So they're about mana it. shuffling their bad decisions. Yes. Like one good, one bad. Two good, one bad. One good, one bad. Two good, one bad. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Cause they've all like that. Uh, there's there's a Valentine's Day episode where it's revealed more how Ravi and evil Yellow Ranger were so in love, but Ravi follows the rules that his mom made. <laughs> Actually, now thinking about that, that was probably his mom trying to break those two up. Probably. Huh. Um. That but mom's Ravi, Ravi follows the rules, so he had to break up with the love of his life. And now she's going to use it. He, it literally, like, she literally says, I'm going to use his feelings for me to manipulate him into doing what I want. And it's such a mistake. It is such a mistake because they could have had us questioning the entire episode. Wait, does she actually feel this way or is this a manipulation? Is this a manipulation or does she actually feel this way? Instead yeah. of saying, you idiot, why do you believe her? The entire episode. Yeah. Um, There's like one or two cutaways to like, like, hey, she does this thing. It's e it's ambiguous. And then cut away. Or it does the thing. It's obviously evil, but then cuts back and she looks conflicted. Yeah. But you get, like, to the, you get to the, the end of like the they succeed in the, is, the ultimate payoff is actually worth a damn. Um, so okay, because like <laughs> she's like, I'm going to turn you evil so that we can be together again. And it's like, wait, is she actually feeling for him? Does she actually still care about him? I'm not sure. It's 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 one bad decision, two good decisions, one bad decision, one bad. It's it's very much headachey, and I'm not sure how to feel about the show. <laughs> but hey, I guess with decisions like that, you'll eventually end up with a pretty decent mana spread throughout your deck. Yeah, yeah. Um, Magic the Gathering joke! Yeah! They just announced a bunch of new commander shit that's going to be coming out in 2020, and I'm fucking hype. But yeah, that's really all I've watched for these past two weeks. As usual, Dead fills the most time, and then I'm struggling to actually say anything about anything I really enjoyed. We, we, we had a pretty decent split this week. I talked for 40 minutes, then we were at, then we're at like an hour 15, so that's like another 35, 40 for you. Eh, I guess. Even split, yes! And to be fair, the like half of my, half of my thing is me saying like or fuck. <laughs> I need Are to you get better. Are kidding? Oh. Anywho, those are up watching then. On to news. So first up, did you know that in British, in Britain, there is a in reality, British. yeah, there is a reality competition uh, called Lego Masters. Lego what? Lego Masters. It is a competitive Lego building show. I did not know this, but I want to watch it. Well, you'll be able to watch a version of it because Fox is making an American version. Fuck. And when I say Fox, I mean Disney because Disney owns Fox. Still fuck. Yep. Uh, so it'll be hosted by Will Arnett. Fuck. Is that, is that good or bad? That's bad. Okay. I don't like him. Okay. So yeah, we're starring Will Arnett um, and it is... Being produced by a bunch of different companies, including Brad Pitt's production company. For some reason. Really? 
yeah, uh, and it will have, and it will have, you know, Lego builders, uh, enthusiasts, as they are called. Oh, that's why they have him as the host. Oh, yeah, Lego Batman. Batman in the Lego movies. Fuck, right. That's obvious. But yeah, so the two of them, yeah, so competitors will compete to build shit while Arnett, alongside some expert judges, will be talking to the builders, encouraging them through stuff, introducing challenges, and then um, all working towards the all working towards the end where one duo, according to this thing, will be crowned the Lego Masters. Oh, so they'll be master builders. Ha 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 ha. Yep. Uh, <coughs> the series is set to premiere on February 5th at 9 p.m. on Fox. So like five months away. Four months. Five months? Three months? Four months? Four yeah, months. It'll probably be on their Disney streaming service. Yep. Uh, moving. Right along from the fun stuff of Legos to... Just fuck. Never thought we'd have to, never thought we'd have to talk about Jeffrey Epstein on this show. Who? Do you actually not know or... I genuinely don't know. Okay, so Jeffrey Epstein was a pedophile. Okay. Uh, who? Oh, that guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Jeffrey Epstein was a, was a billionaire and a pedophile who, flo- who flew in a plane where he did pedophile shit and invited other wealthy and famous people onto the plane where pedophile shit happened. He was then arrested for pedophile for doing pedophile shit and then died in prison. Where he deserves to rot for all eternity. Sadly, yes. he's getting away from that by dying. Yes. He's getting away from it, as well as everyone else who he could have put away. Fuck. Because of all the famous people that flew in his pedophile jet. So Adam McKay, comedy director, is making a limited run series for HBO. About Jeffrey Epstein. What? Yeah. Last couple years, Adam McKay has been trying to make himself, you know, not the guy who directed uh, fucking, not the guy who directed, uh, like, Talladega Nights. Did he direct Talladega Nights? Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Less a guy who directed Talladega Nights and more guy who directs important things. Considering that he has been nominated for Oscars. And so he's working on that. For HBO. I hope it's going to vilify him. I'm assuming. I don't fucking know anymore in this fucking world. Uh, Yeah, so McKay. uh, He is working with. Like I said, HBO for this, um, as well as their he's, he's developing content for HBO and their streaming service HBO Max, and he is working with uh, he's working with um, Hyper Object Industries. Sorry, he launched Hyper Hyper Object Industries um, alongside Kevin Messick, um, and have set you, up. You said when you say the name of the company, I just imagine like a like a keychain dangling in front of a baby's face. Yeah, pretty much. Which is how most of us are entertained. Yes. Shiny object. Yes, the company has face. set up its first project under this new deal, which will be a limited run series based off of a not based off of a book 
by investigative reporter for the Miami Herald, Julie K. Brown, which is about Epstein. Okay, that's probably not going to uh, put him in the nicest of light, so I'm more okay with this. <laughs> what? Just the idea. Dude! Dude, with the world the way it is, I don't know anymore. Okay? You wouldn't put that shit on HBO. I don't know anymore. I just don't know anymore. Okay? <laughs> it's Ugh. depressing that I have to say it that way, but I don't. Yeah, so... This is happening. It, is, it has been put into development. When it is coming out, who the fuck knows? Will either of us watch it? God, no. Definitely not. Not even the joking coming soon. Just no. You could coming soon at all you want. It ain't going to be with me. Did you have to phrase it like that? We're talking about a pedophile. <laughs> I'm not going to feel bad for laughing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who brought it up. I didn't even think about it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you pervert. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, final piece of news. The show after I say I won't talk about wrestling for a while. Here's some news about wrestling. So, Saudi Arabia. Wait. <laughs> what? Yes. So the WWE, for those who don't know, has a financial relationship with the nation of Saudi Arabia. Okay. The Saudi the Saudi royal family has through the business relationship with the WWE put on some pretty big events happening with the most regularly recurring one being Crown Jewel. Okay. An event that is in terms of its relationship to the WWE is basically what if a house show, which is to say a show that is not broadcast on television, is given the budget of WrestleMania? Because okay. all the because all the shit that happens at these at these crown jewel events don't matter because none of them are basically basically none of them are canon. Oh, good lord! There's an there's an alternate canon for wrestling. Basically. Where, where, yeah, they'll just have like, they'll just have like, hey, here's this big sporting event thing. It is like on the level of WrestleMania, but it has no impact at all. And people have criticized the WWE for this because Saudi Arabia is sketchy. No, you're kidding. Yeah. Um, people are like, for various reasons, this is uh, people are fucking iffy about this. Like, for example, women not being allowed. Just kind of like like their mm. first like their first event that happened, um, which I believe was the greatest Royal Rumble. Uh, they just didn't let women show up at all. And. A w and they had women appear in an ad that ran during the event and then had to apologize for it. Mm. 
tasty. Yeah. Um, they also like during their during the Grace Royal Rumble, they didn't allow they didn't allow Renee Young, who was who is a member of the commentary team, to just be there. Um, and yeah, so this is stuff with the women. Other wrestlers have just straight up refused to be a part of it. Good. Um, one of them didn't have a choice because Sami Zayn, a Canadian wrestler whose parents are Syrian immigrants, is just not allowed to appear there because he is of Syrian descent. What with Saudi and Syria being not on the best of terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Kevin Owens, um, yeah, Kevin Owens, um, John Cena, and Alistair Black, all the wrestlers, uh, were just like, um, well, I th- yeah, Kevin Owens, I think, like refused to refused to be a part of it. Um, John Cena refused to be a part of it. Um, Alistair Black uh, was told that he would not be able to appear because he has a number of tattoos with quote unquote some religious connotations that might offend Saudi Arabians. You know. And there's also the fact that Saudi Arabia might have killed a journalist just straight up. Yeah, no, like, no, fuck. Yeah. Like, I get money is delicious and you want it, but remember how earlier I said that I don't care who's paying me? I care enough to say no to, like, the biggest villains on the planet. Yeah, so this... Like, I wouldn't take I wouldn't take money from Putin or China or well if they paid for my movie I'd take it. But I wouldn't <laughs> take it directly from China. Yeah. And I'd so take this... it from the Chinese people. Yeah, and so this has had some weird things as a part of it. Um like the stuff we mentioned and during the Greatest Royal Rumble, there was a wrestler there who nobody had ever heard of. Because the Saudi Crown Prince uh requested uh-huh. that Yokozuna show up at the Royal Rumble. Yokozuna's been dead for years. What? Yeah, he yeah, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia didn't know that Yokozuna was dead and requested Yokozuna appear in the match. You know. As in the sumo. Yeah. He yeah, the sumo yeah, Yokozuna was a wrestler in the WWE. Okay. Because I thought you were referring to someone else, but... No, Yokozuna was the name of a wrestler in the WWE, who was, I believe, a former sumo wrestler. And then, yeah, this is all part of... This is all part of WWE's 10-year partnership with Saudi Arabia in support of Saudi Vision 2030, a movement in Saudi Arabia to help reduce their dependency on oil money. That's a good thing. Uh, yes, and so as a part of this, for this year's Crown Jewel, which is airing at time of recording tomorrow, they're going to have their first women's match. Oh, no. Yes. That's not going to end well. Probably not. Uh, yeah, it is a match between Lacey Evans and Natalia. For those who don't know, Lacey Evans is a former Marine who now acts like a Southern Belle. Oh, no. 
Meanwhile, Natalia is the daughter of Jim Neidhart of the Hart Foundation. I haven't watched any of the Saudi Arabia shows, and I won't. Just on principle. But this one seems like a nightmare. Just looking at the card of what is what is to come out with this. Because it is Braun Strowman, a wrestler who has been underutilized and misused for most of his time in the WWE, uh, fighting a heavyweight boxing champion. What? Yeah. Brock Lesnar versus Tyson Fury. Okay. Um, Brock Lesnar is having a wrestling match against the only man who defeated him in UFC. Uh, and then Seth Rollins is fighting the fiend Bray Wyatt in a, in a cannot be stopped for any reason match. Who was the one who was starting a uh, fight with the, the fiend? Seth Rollins, the universal champion. Mm. He's the one who mm-hmm. burned down the Firefly Funhouse. Mm-hmm. Cannot be stopped for any reason. <laughs> I think murder might be one of them. Oh, no, wait. This is Saudi Arabia. They won't care. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. But yeah, uh, th- that match is specifically in response to the Hell in a Cell. Because this exact match happened at Hell in a Cell. And that match was stopped. Despite being in Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to this match further burying the Fiend. Yep. Because not only is this non-canon, they don't have the fucking nuts or insights to put the title on Bray Wyatt. Because Seth Rollins is currently their number one babyface, which means he can't ever lose. And the Fiend has been set up so that he can't ever lose. Do you see the problem here? Yes, when you have the sword that can cut anything and the shield that cannot be broken, one cannot exist. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm bringing in old Japanese proverbs for your ass. They are trying to make a sandwich so big God can't eat it. Which means it's just going to be a piece of shit. Uh... Yes, weirdly enough, uh, last year, apparently, in a statement, Triple H, you know, one of the head people at the WWE, mm-hmm. um, addressed the, you know, no women appearing here, saying, quote, I understand that people are questioning it, but you have to understand that every culture is different. And just because you don't agree with a certain certain aspect of it, it doesn't mean it's not a relevant culture. You can't dictate to a country or a religion how they han- how they handle things. But having said that, WWE is at the forefront of a women's evolution in the world, and we can't. And what you can't do is affect change anywhere by staying away from it. You can affect change by denying them your money. <laughs> yeah, look, guys, you can't, you can't, you can't like just discount an entire culture because they do one thing weird. All cultures are relevant, but on that note, women are the best. We like women. Because my wife will beat me if I don't say that. I'm, I think this is a Vince thing. 
I think this is Triple H trying to stay, you know, loyal to the company he is a major part of, but just this all smacks of Vince. Because Vince seems like a big enough idiot to do this. Just, hey, you know, Saudi Arabia, the country that's like propagating a civil war in another country and then also killed a dude. They got a lot of money, right? Right. The country's dependency on oil is so big. We're going to headline a pay-per-view there. You sound like you want to fuck Saudi Arabia. Vince probably does. He probably would if you got the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of money. (laughs) Anyway. To gain respect, one must earn it through their actions. Yes, anywho, um, movies coming out this week. We got stuff. Do we have things? Yes, there's a new Terminator. Oh, yeah, that. Yep. Which, in shocking defiance to their previous efforts, appear to be okay. Yep. Not good, not bad, just very middling. I am hope that it is the launching of the career of a new action star... And not just another swan song to Arnold Schwarzenegger. I am hoping that it marks the death of this fucking franchise. And thus we can move on to a new franchise. Eh, I'm okay with this uh, franchise continuing. But I do, I am sick of Arnold Schwarzenegger in action movies. He is too goddamn old. Yes, just let him, just let him fucking live on a farm and fuck his maid. Force him to retire, please. Put that motherfucker out to pasture like old Yeller. But, like, actually send him to a farm upstate. And, honestly, the girl playing the new Terminator, she looks like she can handle action scenes really well. Yeah, sure. Give her a franchise that isn't fucking Terminator. I am okay with her having the Terminator franchise. And and when I say that, I don't mean, like, no, but Arnold can have Terminator. Terminator should have died decades ago. You are completely right there. I will not deny that. What I'm saying is, she is good. If she is good enough to carry a franchise... Give her her own fucking franchise. Don't have her inherit the hand-me-downs of an old Austrian man. That sounds dirty. Give her something that is entirely her own. I sound like I'm saying separate but equal, but I'm not. Just We're just sick of fucking the Terminator movies. Yes, I am sick of movies that lost that, that had that came out in the fucking 80s and 90s. All of a sudden, being the only things we're being allowed to fucking see anymore. On that note, I want to go see Jojo Rabbit, which also comes out this week. You want to go see what? Jojo Rabbit. What the fuck is Jojo Rabbit? Jojo Rabbit is the new Taika Waititi movie where a young boy in the in the Hitler in the Hitler Youth. Oh yeah, is, that. Yeah, it's a comedy about him and his imaginary friend Adolf Hitler. It's time for me and my best friend. <laughs> Yeah, it looks really neat. I've heard a lot of really good things about it. Taika Waititi is a very is a very good comedy director, so I want to see how this fucking turns out because it I, it it is really interesting to me. So yeah, that's coming out this week. Uh, next week, the sequel to the fucking Shining. Yeah, that oh. exists. 
Like, Doc- I knew the Sleuth. book existed. I didn't ever expect to see the movie being made. Did you really not expect the movie to be made? Yes. You know what, you know what year we're in, right? I know, but that doesn't change the fact that I didn't expect it. Yeah, that's coming out next week. Uh, I don't know how to feel about that. There is actually one thing about the uh, Jojo Rabbit movie that I am so excited to see. Oh? The torrents of neo-Nazis who are infuriated by the (laughs) depiction of the Fuhrer. Yeah, I'm just going to be imagining just a bunch of like pissed off skinheads with with signs chanting chanting to boycott this movie outside of a fucking AMC theater. Yeah, it'd be amusing to me. Be amusing. Either that or there's going to be a lot more shootings. That would be depressing. That would be depressing to me. I guess we'll find out when the movie comes out. Please, America, put <sighs> your sanity hats back on. Just, just let us have this, man. Put your sanity hats back on. Realize the bad guys are the bad guys and the good guys are the good guys. Please. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back at some point. We'll be back at some point with more of this shit. Till then, though, I'm dead. I think I might need to go get a real job. And we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Please put your sanity hats back on. <laughs> uh, we, we can't anymore. They've all been replaced by MAGA hats. <laughs> oh.